to the seven churches in the province of Asia, grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits before your throne, and from Jesus Christ who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. And has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father, to whom him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Look, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all peoples on earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord, God Almighty, who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty God. Amen. Heavenly Father, we love you. We need you. We are desperate for your love and for your touch. Lord, we are hungry. And we are thirsty and we are desperate for your touch without your presence god everything we do up here is garbage and is in vain god we need your presence here in this place we need your holy spirit not just to touch us on sunday and during this time of service only but every single day god help us to be hungry to be full of conviction by the holy spirit conviction that leads to repentance repentance that leads to change a sanctified life a life that is set apart for your kingdom and for your purpose oh god i pray lord that we will seek your face with all of our hearts soul mind and strength to you this morning we love you we love you we turn back and we run back to our first love lord we look to you god you are the author and the perfecter, the beginning and the end of our lives. I pray as you transition now, God, to the message that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, Lord, may be pleasing in your sight, O Lord. For you, Lord, are our rock and our redeemer. And may the meditations of our hearts, Lord, may be pleasing and may be right and holy and pure before your holy presence, O oh God. We love you, we thank you. Pray all these things in your precious Son. And God's people pray, amen and amen. May we all turn to 1 Samuel chapter 21. We are still, keep in mind, in our authentic Christian Christianity series. And the title of today's message is called The Law Fulfilled in Christ. The Law Fulfilled in Christ. Let's begin with our main passage, 1 Samuel chapter 21, verse 1 through 9. It says this, David went to Nob, to Ahimelech the priest. Ahimelech trembled when he met him and asked, Why are you alone? Why is no one with you? David answered, Ahimelech the priest, the king sent me on a mission and said to me, no one is to know anything about the mission I am sending you on. Keep in mind this lie, keep in mind for next week's message, for this is going to help us understand the context of what's going to happen and connect the message for next week. So keep this in mind, what he says to the priest Ahimelech. Let's continue, as for my men... I've told them to meet me at a certain place. Now then, what do you have on hand? Give me five loaves of bread or whatever you can find. But the priest answered David, I don't have any ordinary bread on hand. However, there is some consecrated bread here, provided the men have kept themselves from women. David replied, Indeed, women have been kept from us. As usual, whenever I set out, the man's bodies are holy even on missions that are not holy. How much more so today? 
So the priest gave him the consecrated bread, since there was no bread there except the bread of the presence that had been removed from before the Lord and replaced by hot bread on the day it was taken away. Now one of Saul's servants was there that day, detained from the Lord. He was Doeg, the Edomite, Saul's chief shepherd. David asked Ahimelech, Don't you have a spear or a sword here? I haven't brought my sword or any other weapon because the king's mission was urgent. The priest replied, The sword of Goliath the Philistine, whom you killed in the valley of Elah, is here. It is wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. If you want it, take it. There is no sword here but that one. David said, There is none like it. Give it to me. Amen and amen. The context here is David is now on the run to Nob, to Ahimelech, a priest. And he goes and he says, do you not have any food? Right? He wants food. And this food, this bread is not just ordinary food. It is consecrated bread. So if you remember in our Bible study, when we talked about the tabernacle, when we talked about the temple, that there's holy bread, there's consecrated bread that only the priest is allowed to eat, not ordinary men. But here we see Ahimelech, he goes and he breaks the custom of the way that it is done, but out of generosity and love, he goes ahead and he gives this bread to David. And also David, he's not being truthful here. He is lying. He's saying that he is on a king's mission when in fact he is running away. But here in the story, there is a narc. There is a rat within the story. His name is Doeg. It's found in verse 7. It says he was Doeg the Edomite. He was Saul's chief shepherd. He's one of Saul's servants. So what happens here in this story in 1 Samuel chapter 21, Doeg is now going to go and tattletale, go and tell Saul that David had come here. And later you'll see in chapter 22, a lot of bad things are going to happen to the priests here. 85 priests, they get murdered by Saul himself because of David. But don't worry, David, he takes responsibility and he goes ahead and he takes it in the chin. But just keep that in mind for side reference. Next week, everything will make sense. Everything will fall into place. But David, he is hungry and he eats the consecrated bread. So let's have an understanding of the importance of this custom and this law of not eating this consecrated bread that only the priests were allowed to eat. So if you could turn with me to Leviticus chapter 24, verse 5 through 9, it gives us a law. And the law is this. It says, take the finest flour and bake 12 loaves of bread using two-tenths of an ephah for each loaf. Arrange them in two stacks, six in each stack, on the table of pure gold before the Lord. By each stack, put some pure incense as a memorial portion to represent the bread and to be a food offering presented to the Lord. This bread is to be set out before the Lord regularly, Sabbath after Sabbath, on behalf of the Israelites as a lasting covenant. So it represents a covenant between his people, God's people, and God. Verse 9, it belongs to Aaron and his sons. Aaron and his sons are priests. Only priests are allowed to eat this bread. Who are to eat it in the sanctuary area because it is a most holy part of their perpetual share of the food offerings presented to the Lord. So this event this food, this bread is a holy event. Not anyone can go ahead and eat this bread. But here in the story in 1 Samuel 21, David asks for food. Ahimelech says, we only have these consecrated bread. And therefore, he goes ahead and he offers this holy bread, this consecrated bread set apart for Aaron and the sons. And he goes ahead and gives it to David. Now, let's turn to Matthew chapter 12 verse 1 to 14, because this story of what Jesus says here is going to sum, summarize and help us understand the whole 
picture. The title says, Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. Chapter 12, verse 1, it says, At the time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry and began to pick some heads of grain and eat them. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. What is the law of the Sabbath? They're not allowed to work. They're not allowed to do anything. But we see the context here. The disciples are hungry. That really prusang it here. That they began to pick some heads of grain and eat them. I mean, they were hungry. Verse 3, he answered, Haven't you read what David did? This is talking about reference to what we just read. 1 Samuel chapter 21. Haven't you read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God and he and his companions ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for them to do, but only for the priests. Remember, Leviticus chapter 21 just talked about that. Only priests are allowed to eat this bread, Aaron and the sons. Verse 5, or haven't you read in the law that the priests on Sabbath duty in the temple desecrate the Sabbath and yet are innocent? I tell you that some greater than the temple is here. He's talking about himself. Jesus is talking about himself. Verse 7, if you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Going on from that place, he went into their synagogue, and a man with a shiver hand was there. Looking for a reason to bring charges against Jesus, they asked him, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? He said to them, If any of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out, and it was completely restored, just as sound as the other. But the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus. Amen. And we see the story here. And next week, you're going to have a full picture. Because in 1 Samuel chapter 22, Saul, he goes ahead and he kills the priest, Ahimelech, 85 priests, wives, children, cattle, sheep, donkeys. He's going to kill everything. And we see people who are against God, people who are all about legalistic laws, all about laws and customs. We see that they carry the same kind of mind and the same kind of heart and same kind of perspective. What is that heart and that perspective? It is a murderous spirit. Look what it says in verse 14. But the Pharisees went out and what? Plotted how they might kill Jesus. And kill they did. And Saul, he does the same thing in 1 Samuel chapter 22. He goes ahead and kills godly priests. I mean, how evil can a person be? How motivated can a person be by Satan for him to commit such an act? A treacherous act of murder. So we see here that Himelech is praised. Jesus does not condemn what Himelech did, but Jesus condones and he lifts and he blesses the action of the priest of Himelech that's found here in 1 Samuel chapter 21. Different times. But similar context of what was happening. David was hungry. Jesus was hungry. The disciples were hungry. And they went ahead and gave a, the consecrated bread that was set apart for the priest to eat. But gave it to the men. In life, if we do not have love and care, then everything we do is garbage before the Lord. To obey God is to love God. To love God is to obey God. You cannot have one without the other. They support each other. 
to obey God is to love God. To love God is to obey God. That's why, that's why Jesus says that he desires obedience, not sacrifice. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, as it says in verse 7. For the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath, it says in verse 8. I am the Lord of the Sabbath. I am who was, who is to come. Amen. To obey God is to love God. To love God is to obey God. And with that, let's start with that point number one. God's greatest law is love. God's greatest law is love. You can do everything right. You could come on time, not come late, not make any mistakes in praise, have perfect performance, play the instrument well, but if there's no love, everything is for nothing. It says in Matthew chapter 22, verse 34 to 40, the greatest commandment, it says, the title says, the greatest commandment. What is the greatest commandment? Hearing that, Jesus has silenced the Sadducees. The Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law. Again, he is an expert in the law. He knows everything. I'm sure he is that perfect-minded individual, perfectionist, who does everything right before the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Verse 37, Jesus replied, love. He's talking about law. Jesus' answer is love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love, 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 love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Everything that we have right now, everything that we do, the Bible that you have, the Bible that you read, the Bible that you're holding in your hands right now in the palm of your fingers, it boils down to love, to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And all the laws of the prophets and the law of the book, it hangs on these two commandments, and the greatest commandment is to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, which means you have compassion passion, you have love, you have mercy towards people, you have a forgiving spirit, you have a heart that is big enough because your heart is not big enough. We cannot forgive people when they betray us, but we have the heart to forgive because of the heart and the love that is bestowed upon us that comes from the overflow from our relationship with the living God, from our relationship with Jesus Christ. A continuous filling of the Holy Spirit. God's greatest law is love. Let me set the foundation there. What is the greatest law? Love. Point number two, God's law is fulfilled by love. God's law is fulfilled by love, by his love. Paul declares here in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 that we went over during our scripture study, but we talked about specifically, we talked about how there's faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. It says in verse 1 through 13, it says, If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I have only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. So go ahead, Ronnie, can you go to the drum and just go ahead and just hit, go hit the cymbal. Gong as well. Keep going, keep going. Keep going, keep going. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Thank you. Sit down. If there was no love, then all that God hears is noise and distractions. Everything we do is garbage, 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 garbage. If I have the gift of prophecy, and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge. And if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, 
I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it it, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be still. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away, for we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain. Faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. God's law is fulfilled. It is completed. It is satisfied. It is finalized through His love. Without His love, everything is useless. Without His love, we are dealing with an angry, controlling, sadistic, power-hungry God. It's because of His love that we are able to draw near him everything God did from the beginning from the creation of the world the galaxy and the universe everything God did and everything that God accomplished to create us to create all creation was through his love because he loves us because he loves you because he has a purpose and a plan for us he loves you the question is, will you respond to his love, the unconditional love of God? The question, what is mankind? Who am I? What is humankind? It asks in Psalm 8, memorizes Psalm 8 and Psalm 144. It asks the question, what is humankind? What is mankind that you care that you, Lord, you care for us. Take a look at Psalm 8. What does it say? Specifically, verse 3 to 4. When I consider your heavens, right, the creation from Genesis, when God created the world, the works of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of then? Human beings that you care for them. We have a desire, our inner desire to connect with our maker. That's why Jeff Bezos and billionaires, people around the world, they're going to pay millions just to go and orbit around the earth, just to go out into space. They can't even fathom to begin to understand the greatness and how big, how majestic our Lord is. He created the heavens and the earth, the moons and the stars and his place. With his fingers, it says, the work of his fingers, the moon and the stars, which he has set in place and in motion. What is mankind? What is humankind? That you care for them, that you think of them, Lord. Who am I? That when I'm alone, when I'm praying to you, God, that you listen to me, that you draw near to me. Why? It's because of love. Because of love. Because of his love. Psalm 144. Lord, what are human beings that you care for them? Mere mortals that you think of them. Yes, we are mortals. Yes, we are finite beings. One day, we will take our final breath. And this day, this life will end. God, who am I? This mortal being who live as an infinite being. We think we live forever, but we don't. We will not. This life is nothing but a shadow, a mere water drop in the midst of the vast ocean of eternity. Who am I, God, that you 
think about us and you care for us. To love God and to be loved by God is the fulfillment of God's law. God's law is fulfilled by love, by His love. God's law is achieved through loving God and our neighbors. Galatians 5.14 says, For the entire law, entire law, the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love, love, love. Again, point one, God's greatest law is love. Point two, God's law is fulfilled by love. And last point, point number three. God's law is completed in Christ. God's law is completed in Christ. Without Christ, everything is useless. Christ is the main protagonist, the main person, main God, the main individual, main everything in the Bible. Everything, each other book, it all points and connects to the Messiah, to our Savior. And his name is Jesus Christ. A pastor from one of the big mega churches uh, said this in quote, God broke the law for love. God broke the law for love. A mega church pastor said this, and that is heresy. That is a lie. God did not break anything. He cannot break his law. He cannot lie to himself. He is not a God that will lie. What he should have said was God fulfilled the law with his love. He fulfilled it. He completed it. Jesus Christ fulfilled the law. Jesus Christ completed the law. Before the law, it was unattainable. It was something that I cannot attain. You tried it. You and I, we've tried it. Discipline after discipline. I promise I'm not going to commit this sin. I promise I'm not going to do this. God, I promise I won't break this law, the law that you have in store for me. But long behold, right away, a day later, two days later, a month later, a year later, we were back, falling on our knees, broken, because we have committed that sin that we promised God that we won't. And we are committing that sin over and over and over and over and over again. You cannot save yourself. There's no way that you and I can attain heaven with our own strength and with our own good deeds. No one here is good. Nobody is good. We are not capable. We cannot. There's only one, one person who is able to do it. And the innocent lamb, the lion and the lamb, the one who, who descended from heaven to earth, who came as an innocent lamb to die on the cross for us. And he ascended into heaven. And the second advent, when he comes, the second coming of Christ, he will come as a lion, as a conquering king. Without him, we are doomed and we are hopeless and we are lost forever. The law is not attainable. Every faith that tries to work hard by good works and by good deeds, and you think that somehow God takes notice of your good works, Oh, if I go on this mission trip, if I help out, Aisha Rain, Operation Child that we do, if we help individuals, people who are undergoing hardship, homeless individuals, we help them out on the street, and we think God will maybe take notice of our good work, and yes, maybe that will be my access, my card, my passport into heaven. But lo and behold, you will face damnation and judgment because, in fact, you are no different than a person who is 
a felon committing a crime on the street. Before God, we are guilty, and we are lost, and we are hopeless. And you and I, you cannot save yourself. That's why Jesus Christ fulfills the law. What you and I, we cannot attain. What you and I cannot accomplish. A law that is impossible. The law was kept in place to keep us holy. Do you understand? Holy. As holy as we can. But people continue to commit sin after sin, rebelling against God. And all throughout history, everyone has tried and it doesn't work. That's why in Romans chapter 7, Paul continues to say, what I want to do, I don't do. He has a conflict within him. I know what I should do, what I ought to do, but there's another force in me that is causing me to, be, to go against what God wants me to do. A battle within. You and I cannot save ourselves. That's why in Romans 8 it says, neither angels nor demons, what can separate us from the love of Christ? Nothing. Famines. Nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. Because Christ is the one that fulfills, it completes the picture of the law. It finishes it. The blood of Christ, the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, it completes the law. It completes it. Romans 10, 4 ESV says this, For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who beliefs. Remember what I said in Revelation 1, what we learned in our scripture study, that he is the alpha, the beginning, the first letter of the Greek alphabet, omega, the last alphabet of the Greek alphabet, the beginning and the end. So from Genesis to Malachi, the Old Testament, from Matthew to Revelation, it's the whole picture, and Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. It is not through your righteousness, it is not through my righteousness, me going on missions, me doing good works, it is not because of what I have done, to, but it's, it's, it's by, the, by Christ, for Christ is the end of the law, it is through Christ for righteousness to everyone who believes. That is why we're able to speak and pray and to worship the living God, our Lord Jesus Christ. For Christ is the end of the law, for righteousness to everyone who believes. The question is, do you believe? Do you believe? Or do you believe in yourself? Do not believe in yourself. Believe in God. Believe in Christ. Don't trust yourself. Your heart is deceitful beyond measure. Trust in him, for he knows you more than you know yourself. Trust in the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come. Revelation 1.8 says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come the Almighty. Next week, we're going to sing this song, uh, Unchanging. And it's a great song. And, you know, the lyric is just powerful. And, you know, the verses, there's three verses. Verse one says, Great is your faithfulness. Great is your faithfulness. You never change. You never fail, O God. Verse 2 says, true, true are your promises. True are your promises. You never change, you never fail, O God. Verse 3, wide is your love and grace. Wide is your love and grace. You never change, you never fail, O God. And the chorus says, so we lift up or holy hands, to praise the Holy One who was and who is and is to come, which takes the reference from Revelation 1.8.
chapter 1, and now you know. A lot of these songs, it comes from the scripture, right? So now you know the reference. Where is it from? Revelation 1. You were, you are, and you will always be. Remember, Christ came to fulfill, and he completed. God's law is completed in Christ. Amen. Matthew 5, 17 says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. Remember earlier the quote I made that I referenced from the megachurch pastor? God broke the law for love. Excuse me. Go to Matthew 5, 17. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to what? Fulfill them, to complete it. God's law is completed in Christ. The law is useless without Christ because you and I cannot fulfill God's law. All throughout history, people have tried. In the desert, they have tried. When they're in the land of Egypt, they're tried. When they're under the Babylon rule, they tried. When the Assyrians came, they tried. When they're under the Persian rule, they tried. When they were under the Roman rule, they tried. When they were under evil leaders and rulers like Nero, different individuals, different emperors who thought they were God, they tried. And it is impossible for you to attain the law. Do you understand that? It is impossible. You cannot fulfill God's law. Humans all throughout history have tried over and over and over again. By good deeds, good works, hard works, but good works do not lead people, does not lead you to salvation. Abraham, Isaac, these individuals, the titans of our faith, Jacob, Noah, they tried. It did not work. Remember, before the flood with Noah, the war was so evil, beyond evil, that God literally, he could not look at the people that he had created, which led to God to kill, to destroy. Literally, think about it. Everyone on the face of the earth, every single living being died due to the flood. Except for, you know, the lucky animals in Paris. Sorry, Teller. Is Teller the crazy one that you guys don't like? Who's the other one? Huh? Junior is the one that you like. Yes, a Teller. Bye, Teller. Junior, come. <laughs> and Noah and his family, the only family that survived this destruction by the flood. God literally destroyed everything. And after the flood ends, God brings a rainbow, a promise that he won't destroy the world by the flood again. A covenant between man and God. Remember, rainbow is a symbol, not of pride, that they have turned it into. But rainbow is a symbol of God's covenant to us that he will not destroy the world again by the flood. And what does Noah do? The first thing he does is he gets drunk. <laughs> And then he lies naked in bed. And then there's the sons, the three sons, the Shem, Ham, and Jephthah. Ham, the youngest. Shem is the one that is blessed. So through the lineage of Shem, uh, eventually, right, we see the lineage of Jesus through David, right, Ruth, Boaz. We see the, uh, the genealogy of Jesus. But Ham is cursed. Ham, he goes ahead and he sees his father's nakedness. He doesn't do anything to cover him. Um, we don't know what really went down. It could be an act of lust or something he did. Maybe he touched his father, but we don't know the specifics because the Bible doesn't go into details. But what he did was evil in God's sight, and therefore he was cursed. And Ham was cursed out of all the brothers. They tried. If people like Noah and his family even if they have failed, what makes you think that you will succeed in attaining righteousness 
with your own strength. You cannot. You and I cannot fulfill the laws given to us in the Old Testament. It is a fool's pursuit. It's impossible. You can have discipline. You can have hard work. You could be focused. You could change environments. You could go to different towns, different areas. It's not, it will not suffice. It is not enough. Only through Christ can this be accomplished. Let's go to Romans 10.4. Earlier I read the ESV version. But let's go ahead and read this together. Ready? One, two, three. Christ is the culmination of the law so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. What does culmination mean? It means conclusion. It is the finale. It is what makes everything, the beginning and the end, the one that fulfills. Christ is the one that fulfills of the law. He fulfills the law. He completes the law so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. Christ completes the law. Very short message today. I pray that we would Remind ourselves today that you and I cannot accomplish and have righteousness and attain heaven with our own good works and good deeds. It doesn't mean that we don't go ahead and do good works and good deeds. It doesn't mean we go ahead and neglect what is right. I have righteousness with God. I go ahead and I don't help the poor. I go do whatever I want. I live the life the way that I want. If you have a relationship with God, if you have a genuine relationship with God, from the overflow from the relationship with God, you will go and you will do the work that God had called you to do. Again, remember earlier what I said? To obey God is to love God. To, obey, to love God is to obey God. You cannot have one without the other. Christ, he completes the law which we could never attain. That we have broken thousands, infinite times. You and me, we're doomed. We're lost without Christ. We cannot survive by building the roof and then the frames going down and then we're building it on sinking sand. In the ocean? Is your foundation solid, found, grounded in Christ? Are you grounded in yourself, in your pride, in your self righteousness? Because without Christ, you cannot accomplish and we cannot attain eternity with our living Father. I'm closing with this. Just to help put things in perspective for you, I would like to close it with this story. If you remember a few years back when we went on a mission trip, uh, there was a time when the airport, they were very strict, and I'm talking about the airport because later uh, a couple of the men and me were going to go on a trip, and we're going to be at the airport soon. It's going to be a surreal feeling uh, because of the pandemic and haven't been to the airport in a while. And I love the airplane, by the way, the airport. And if you just remember back then, uh, on our way back in the Philippines, uh, one of the members got his stuff confiscated. And I went ahead and I tried to speak to someone, but they kept pushing us to different person to different person. It felt like we were not going to be able to get our stuff back. But luckily, uh, through this one individual, uh, this lady, she had a special pass and a special board. And she looked different, set apart from others. It seemed like she was in a higher status. She said, okay, you know what? I'll handle this for you. Follow me. When we got out, there was a long line. All these people and everyone's out there waiting, frustrated. But she goes ahead and she goes and speaks directly to the person. 
And what she does is just within a few minutes, she goes ahead, she gets the bag that was confiscated, and she gives it to me, and she says, follow me. And I was like, I was thinking, oh, no, I'm going to wait in line again, this long line. Our flight is soon. Uh, she said, just come, follow me, don't worry. She led me back inside, passing all the lines, showing the special pass, scan, beep, going back to the gate, back to my team, to where the team was. That is a picture of the righteousness of Christ. With me in my own strength, I cannot fulfill, I cannot access, I will not be able to go ahead and accomplish what I had to accomplish. But Christ is our righteousness. He is the one that fulfills the law for us so that you and I, we can go ahead to the Holy of Holies, to the place where only the high priest can go once a year. You and I now have access to go to God every single day before we go to bed, when we wake up in the morning, when we're in our showers, when our hearts are heavy, when things are tough, when things are easy, when we praise God, we can go on our knees. Wherever we are, we could be in our cars, we could be in our rooms, we could be in our carpets. Wherever we are, we could be among family and friends. And you could be by yourself and you have access to pray to the living God. And that is the promise that is given to us. And it's a promise that cannot and will not be taken away. So may we remember today that the law was fulfilled by Christ. Don't take that for granted. You and I, we have mercy today because of Christ. We are guilty, you and me, before the living God. We cannot save ourselves no matter how hard we try. We need Christ. That's why He is the Savior of the world. He is my Savior, and He will lead me from everlasting to everlasting, from glory to glory. Not because of my own good deeds, not because how disciplined I am, but simply because, God, you have chosen me and you have called me to do the work that you have called me to do. Paul says here in Romans 3, let me just read a little bit of different portions of Romans 3 and Romans 5. Romans 3, 19 to 20 says this. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. What is that saying? When you're under the law, when you die and you face a judge and you are judged by the law, your mouth will be silenced because you have nothing to say. God, I have broken every law in my heart, in my thought, in my actions. And the whole world, each living being will be held accountable before God. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. The law helps us understand and be aware that I am a sinner, that I am lost. That's something that I cannot attain with my own strength. And it goes on, verse 23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all justify freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of His blood 
to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You and I, we are justified because of Him. You are justified if you have faith in Jesus Christ. Romans 3.31, Do we then nullify, meaning abolish the law by this faith? Do we get rid of it? Not at all. Rather, we uphold the law. When the Holy Spirit is in you, you have a heart and a desire to uphold the law. It ends with this, Romans 5, 20, 20, 21. The law was brought in so that the trespass might increase. But where sin increased, grace increased all the more. Say it again. Where sin increased, grace increased all the more. How? Through Christ. No matter how big your sin is, no matter how big of a lawbreaker you are, there is no sin that is greater than the grace of God. The grace that is found in Christ. Be confident in that. Be bold in the fact that His grace is greater than your sins and your shortcomings. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness. Through whose righteousness? His righteousness. To bring eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Through Christ, we have eternal life because He fulfilled and He completed the law which you and I could not attain. Praise be to God for His Son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for us, bore all my sin and all my rebellion. that through the cross that you and I have now access to the living God, the greatest treasure, the greatest blessing that any man, any woman can ask, the greatest gift that we can receive in this lifetime. If you have a relationship with God today, through Christ, you are blessed. You are tremendously blessed. You are blessed beyond measure. And how blessed you are. How blessed you are. How blessed we are as a church. So with our eyes closed, Him to come up. I want to encourage you and invite you to continue praying. Let's continue setting the atmosphere and in the whispers of our hearts. And all of us, let there not be a single person in this room. Distracted, sidetracked and lost by the situation that we're in. But may we turn to Him right now and draw near to the living God. Draw near to Him while He may be found. Lord, what is mankind? 
Who is humankind? What is human beings that you care? Lord, what are human beings that you care for them? Mere mortals that you think of them. Can we take this moment right now and draw near to our Maker? Let us pray together.
to know the power of your risen life. lifted high as a symbol of our worship and our surrender to the living God. And as we say and sing these words, knowing you, Jesus, knowing you, there is no greater thing, no greater gift. You are my all. You are the best. You are my joy, my righteousness, and I love you, Lord. As we sing that song, may we declare our praises to him. the author, the one who is and is to come, the Alpha and the Omega. Let us all sing together. Knowing you, Jesus, let's sing together. Knowing you, Jesus. Now that God, as we're closing our service, Lord, our heart's desire is to draw and to be intimate with you, God. Draw near to you and to know your heart, to know you and to be known by you, to be found in you and known as yours, not of the world, not of of sin, not of the things that are not of your kingdom. but I desire to be known as your son and your daughter. To possess this faith, what I could not earn, 
all-surpassing gift of righteousness that is given, that is fulfilled, that is completed by Jesus Christ. So God, I pray that as we enter this new week, that we will have unexplainable joy, a surpassing joy that is within us. Not happiness based on our happenings, but joy that comes from within. By the Spirit of God, the love of God, the conviction of the Holy Spirit that leads to repentance, that leads to a sanctified and a justified life. So God, I pray that you continue to guide us, guide us individually, guide our church and our ministry, Lord. We thank you for today's message, reminding us that the law has been fulfilled in Christ. Thank you, God, for an amazing and the most powerful reminder of who you are and who I am. That, God, that you are the one who is to come, the author and the perfecter of our journey, of our faith the beginning and the end, the Almighty. We love you. We thank you for all these things in your precious Son, Jesus Christ, let me pray. And God's people pray. Amen. Amen. And amen. Amen.